Hello, you lot. Before we get cracking with this week's episode, we've got a very exciting announcement. We are doing a live show on Wednesday, the 30th of December at Up The Creek Comedy Club in Greenwich. The first wave of tickets are now on sale and can be found on the Up The Creek website. The ticket link can also be found on the That Josh James Show Instagram page. We've got some very special guests lined up, a few surprises, Q&A, and who knows, White Boy may even get up and give us a song or two. So come join us for a great night out in our new home of South London. See you there. Well, if I can find a few actions somewhere, <laughs> I'm gonna love it. Backlash makes me horny. We're up for the banter. It's a comedian. Hello, welcome back to that Josh James show with me, stand-up comedian Josh James. As ever, I'm joined by my right-hand man. Romford's number one podcaster, Chrissy White, aka White Boy. What's happening, son? How are we doing, mate? You good? Good, mate. Yeah, and I'm absolutely chuffed to bits to be joined by one of my favourite fighters, George Groves. What's happening, George? Oh, you're too sweet. Mate, Thank honestly, you. I'm buzzing. We had Jimmy Bullard on a few episodes ago and Chris was was looking at Jimmy like he was about to run away with him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like I've, I've got the same sort of vibes now. Oh, you you're know? so sweet. I ain't got the... The charisma or the, or the hair of uh, Jimmy Bullard, but I'll try my best. Well, look, this is the first thing I was going to say, right? I'm a little bit upset with you, mate. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we were bald brothers. Yeah. And now you come in here with all this barnet. Yeah. I thought we were going to outnumber him two to one, and you used to have done me again. It's yeah. looking good, mate. It's bit, It's not, it's, I've got to be honest, it's an open secret. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised I'm still shocked. You. I've had a, a couple of extra strands up at the top, yeah. you know, for a while now. Thanks to my friends at Fajo Hair Clinic, which I'll always <laughs> give a shout out to. Yeah. So people are always like, oh, you've been off to Turkey. I'm like, absolutely not. No, of course not. Like, it's a, it's a precious piece, isn't it? You know, you yeah. only get one shot at it. So, um, yeah, keep it all um, local. It's homegrown. Homegrown, yeah. And nice. the Fajo Hair Clinic, Dr. Fajo, uh, sorted me right out. Oh, he's done a great job, mate. Thank you very much. He really has. I'm happy with it. I mean, look, as a bald guy, I've looked into it. I'm yeah. not going to lie. And uh, I've seen some fucking horrific hair transplants. That's a good one. No, we're so moving. Well yeah, done, I think everyone's at it now. It's a growing industry, literally. And um, yeah, there are some good ones out there. So just follow follow the good ones. Yeah, my little brother's just had one done and it's fucking spectacular. Although, oh, isn't he was going to say it was No, shit, no, it's then. really good. It's really good. He's, he's trying to keep it under wraps, though, isn't he? Yeah, fuck it. He's, it he's at it now. <laughs> yeah. Looks great. But you yeah. know what? I bet a lot of people don't recognise, like, I bet you don't get as recognised as much as probably what you did do. Because when, because obviously you had your tattoos removed as well. You just look, you do look different from when you was fighting, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, and thanks for not acknowledging that I'm like three and a half stone heavier well, as well. Well, listen, mate, fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're still an ex-world champion boxer, so I'm going to wipe my neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, like Madonna, you've got to keep reinventing yourself. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, New hair, uh, yeah, different different size. Might, might come back one day, but um, yeah, and the tattoos, um, I never actually got them finished, you know, like, so I was going to have a full sleeve, which was the rage Mm. like nearly 15 years ago yeah um and they're all lucky charms they're all lucky charms because i was a bit superstitious at the time um so it's my lucky arm my jab arm you know was what i was famous for sets up all the attacks got me throughout some sticky moments and then i boxed this chap chris Eubank jr um in the semi-final of the world boxing super series and i dislocated this shoulder uh so this arm's redundant for the last round and then I thought, I don't think it's lucky Not anymore. Not lucky anymore, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, tattoos are gone now. Or s- slowly fading. Yeah. I How's mean, that, the process? It fucking hurts, yeah. Does it? Yeah, yeah. What's well, you, have your brother not had his tattoos removed either? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, again, nice guy, uh, a great guy um, I found in uh, West London who, yeah, he lays it off. Um, but it's not like, you know, obviously a tattoo you go, you might sit down for however many hours and get mm. done in one or two sittings uh, whereas getting it lasered off you just keep popping back because it just gradually fades okay so yeah you might need a dozen hits it depends on uh, your pain tolerance I think because you can really mate, eh? zap it up yeah mm. it, you can smell the, the singe I mean I've got a couple <laughs> of hairs on my arm that are singing by the end of it really? as well yeah. I mean uh, your pain threshold must be pretty good though yeah it's not bad <laughs> it's yeah. not bad I mean usually I like to use. I used to like get paid for the pain rather mm. than paying out for the pain. Now. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, different. Take, takes you know, takes the edge off for you. At least you used to. But um, yeah, I, I, pain threshold was was decent. You know, saying I don't know. Is it macho? Is it not? What do you reckon? 
Oh is yeah, it, definitely. Over, I mean, over, I, I, because I've got a low pain threshold, and you know, and I scream <laughs> like I scream like a little bitch, you know, even if I stub my toe. So no, definitely. Don't get any tattoos removed then. No, oh, I've not even got any tattoos. Yeah, don't just don't get them put on in the first place, James. You won't be able to handle it either way. I don't think. I'm not a tattoo guy. You know what I mean? Nah. I don't think I am. I thought about ones or two, but nah, I don't think that's a bit of me. But um, but yeah, some career you had, George. Thank you. And um, yeah, honestly, when I say you was. You've always been one of my favourite fighters, and I tell you, that's what's quite good about. Uh, I, I get obviously I get buzz out what I do doing the stand up and that, but then when like, I mean you followed me on on Instagram and I'm like fucking George Groves, I'm like I'm a fan of you, no. so you know what I mean. So I've got a real I got a real buzz out of that, and one of the reasons I think I loved you so much um, was because I just always felt like you was different to other boxers. Would you agree with that? You yeah. sort of had your own way of doing things. Yeah. Which was like, you know, like you said, a lot of boxers, they're sort of like macho. They're sort of trash talking like that. I mean, Froch and De Gale are great examples of how you would just cleverly get under their skin, mm. watch them lose their minds and then just play off that. Yeah, I mean, it was... Um, it's a, it's um, something that I used to take... Uh, a lot of joy out of James. Yeah. I love it. I, 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 I love it, Josh. It's like, um, it's, um, it's a byproduct of what sort of the situations you're put in in professional boxing, where you know it's they put you in heated situations. You're it's two, you know, fighters that can become rivals are in a situation where you know a lot's on the line. You got a lot to prove, and they keep bringing you together. They they and if there is a bit of chemistry and you know some some stuff is said some stuff is done then it works well for everyone because it just builds in for for a bigger of course fight. they're going to play off that because it helps with promotion absolutely course. but um i mean i i started but i always wanted to box because i watched the rocky movie do you know what i mean yeah so the, the story of boxing was always um present for me you know i was i loved i loved the underdog story i like yeah i loved you know going against the odds and, um, you know, testing yourself. And, you know, Rocky essentially is a people's champion. As I grew up, I, you know, through many of my uh, experiences, wasn't really fussed about becoming a, a people's champion, but I, but I always um, ended up in a situation where I felt like I was a bit of an underdog. Mm, there was absolutely. someone who was in front of me um, and I wanted their place. I wanted to be where they were. Um, as an amateur, it was James DeGale. He was a year older than, uh, a couple of years older than me, a little bit further along in his amateur career. He was the senior number one, and I wanted to be the senior number one. And the same gym, right? Same gym. Um, so club mates, stable mates. Um, we'd travelled the country together, boxing championships. We'd been over to Vegas together, boxing out in the States. Mm. Um, we'd been on internationals together. Um, and then sort of as we're getting closer and closer to that point of, of competing, we realised that uh, we're not... We're not mates anymore and then um we, we box uh, i beat him and uh nice. yeah so it's it's handy <laughs> and uh and then we we have, we have we definitely haven't been friends since we've hardly spoke since um and then our paths cross again in the pros but in the meantime he gets selected to go to an olympic qualifier he qualifies and then he wins gold in the beijing games which you know the responsible part of me is like, this is great, great news. Someone I've beat has just gone on to win an Olympic gold medal. His profile's gonna skyrocket. You know, I need to now maintain this is gonna he is a rival, ready set rival, which you don't always get as a you know, newbie pro. Yeah. So someone to sort of focus on, someone to, you know, motivate myself with, uh and someone to keep me me present in the in the boxing people's minds. Um and then our paths cross and beat him for the British title and then it's not long then till I'm on the cusp of fighting for a world title and then Froch is there. So again, it's that sort of underdog mentality. Yeah. You know, people who are, people are not necessarily against you, but they're not helping you. You know, you, you, you've got, you got to take that leap of faith. And um, yeah, and in, in many ways it's the art of war. Joshua, you're like, um, we're going to battle, we're going to war, and I'm going to win every single battle. Um, mm. And if there's battles to be had before we even get in the ring, then I'm going to make sure I win them. Yeah. So, uh, and then when you do win them, you just take immense yeah, yeah, uh, pleasure course. out of it as well. Yeah. You know? yeah, even that's a throw a punch. 
Yeah, exactly. Won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it is like it's your it's your life when you're in it. You you live and breathe it every second of it. And m me especially, I'm sure there's plenty of other fighters out there that will say the same. But um, I was fully immersed in boxing. You know, it, from a very early age, it was what I knew I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. You know, first one in, last one out in the amateur gym. Never missed a squad training session for England. Never missed a tournament. Um, once I turned pro. Wanted to be progressed quick. Wanted to take the hard fights, you know. Fighting for, I think I was up, up to championship level after nine fights, which a lot of fighters do now. But at the time, you know, the late, well, 2008, 2009, 2010, fighters weren't doing that. Mm. Um, especially not like I was only 22 years old. I'm up to 12 rounds, so I'm doing full camps, fighting tough guys. I'm beating guys. Um, I'm sort of really pushing on because you want to be the greatest of all time you, yeah. you want to be a special talent um it's kind of how how it had to be and like mentally like go, going back to like the gale obviously you were do you feel like that that rivalry because when i watched used to watch you and the gale going at it do you think that rivalry was made more the fact that you were so close in proximity in terms of coming up it was almost like fighting with one of your relations, you know, it yeah. seemed like really, really personal, you know? Yeah, it was, it was a strange one because it was like this personal rivalry, which, you know, only the people in the gym, my friends and family, his friends and family were aware of. And then it was, by the time we got to the pros and we were fighting for the British title, my Commonwealth title was on the line. Um, it ended up selling out the O2 arena, headlining a pay-per-view show mm. on Sky back when, that didn't happen. You know, you're talking about the year of like, it was only like Ricky Hatton and David Hay who were headlining these big fights in world title fights. And we're doing it at British title level. Um, the, it, it blew up, you know. Um, because of that. Well, the, the rivalry as such between me, me and uh, DeGale was just, um, none of it was false. You know, it was, no. it was genuine. And I feel like people connected with that. They saw it. Um, you know, people would had tried to replicate, you know, either other people's style of selling a fight, like a Floyd style. It was, I feel like at that era, everyone was trying to be a little bit obnoxious and mm. and um, definitely well over the top with, with with arrogance. Whereas ours was just like two two guys who wanted to fight each other. You yeah. know, we could from have the got same area, we, same gym, same area, same gym, and that's where the pressure came from because yeah. like. Um, I think a lot of people wanted me to win that fight, but not a lot of people thought I could. So I- You was definitely really the underdog in that fight. Actually, I was a four to one- And you done him? Underdog, yeah. I beat him. It was it was close, but, and we always knew it was gonna be close because of the, the sort of the tactics that we had for this fight. We were gonna fight off the back foot, which just to never let him, um, he was very good at getting in close and sitting in the pocket and letting his combinations go. So it wasn't technically wasn't going to let him do that, but also just to bamboozle him at the end of every round. Go, when's this guy going to settle down? When when am I going to get off what I need to get off? Uh, but we didn't. We spent the whole camp up on our toes, nice and fast, in and out, sharp shots. Mm -hmm. Not not getting greedy, not lingering in the pocket and getting caught with a counter. So boom, boom, boom. Maybe land one, two, three shots max, make an adjustment of the feet. Go again, go again, go again. Um, fighting like a like a super bantamweight, like a featherweight, you know, who did, did it come in the second and third waves? That's what, how we're going to do this. It was just like you said, that art of war, it goes through the whole camp. Yeah. Even yeah. down to the fight, tactically, we know what we're going to do. Yeah. Stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, so we had, it was the first time I'd done um, like a camp away from home. I was only in London, we was mm. in uh, Vauxhall, but David Hay, who was the heavyweight champion of the world at the time, and he had a deal with the Park Plaza Hotel. And because I was headlining a pay-per-view show, they were like, um, he negotiated for me to um, have my own room uh, at the hotel for the six weeks, and I could have a couple of spare rooms for sparring partners. I was gonna live there, eat there. I think I even had a couple of per diems for laundry they'd wash one yeah, wash yeah. t-shirts and yeah. dirty socks um and all i had to do was walk downstairs into the boxing gym so um you know you're living and breathing every second um we had who were the sparring but we had some we had some a lot of southpaw sparring partners come in um some from abroad some um from up north but who wasn't a southpaw but was a 
good sparring partner because he would bring the heat was Chris Eubank Jr. So really? he's only a middleweight then. Must have been a, no, a really novice pro, but um, was a handful. He would come in with his dad. Um, it was even more of a handful. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we're boxing like, uh, I've already, I had, my coach at the time was uh, Adam Booth, who was, um, you know, well-regarded trainer, definitely at the time. And he'd sort of steered David Hay to the top. Uh, and worked with a couple of other fighters um, as well. And we had this back foot game plan. And I just remember Chris Eubanks Senior just saying, putting his hand on the on the ring apron at the end of it and like, ushering me over. And he says, if you fight like this, you would not win this fight. <laughs> and I was like, Chris, don't worry about it, mate. You're not here to be, you know, you, I appreciate you and thanks for the support, if that's what it is, but um, I, I got this, mate, sorted comes back the next week gushed me over again like before we've even started before we've even laced like got our gloved up he goes if you fight like that <laughs> you need to get in there and win every second of every round and I kind of I got what he was saying but after about the third week I said I can't say nothing to Chris Senior so yeah. I asked Adam I said if I ask him to leave I'm going to scream in his face yeah because that, you're like, just a driver today we're, 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 we're li we're, I'm living and breathing this every second invested in this you know it's not I don't just leave the gym and forget about it don't switch off I'm every second because it was a mental challenge the, the Yale fight because uh, the pressure was on because it was I was a big underdog it was a big fight for me but the pressure was on because my amateur coach was his amateur coach you mm. know um, loads of my buddies in the in, in the amateur gym were grew up and sparred him you know i had to prove to them guys that i was better than the do you feel like he was favored during not your not, time? not favored but if you'd asked the majority of them in the gym to say right look just write down who's going to win on a piece of paper you don't need to sign it put it in a box yeah they would have vast majority would have picked the gal because mm. he just had that he was he was he was a bit taller than me he was he was very skillful like a natural talent switch hitter um, and he got there before me. Like he won the ABAs at 18, then retained it at 19, went to the Commonwealth Games. So people were very much sort of amazed by him because he'd sort of, he was called Chunky. He went from being a sort of like little fat kid who didn't take it that seriously. That was my nickname when I was a kid. Yeah? Yeah, I was fat as well. You can't Could you that. switch it as well, yeah? No, mate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I could play computer games with both hands. That was about it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but, so I, that that was the pressure. That was the pressure. I was like, you know, um, I'm, that's totally different to when I when I finally meet Frotch, when um, people didn't think I was going to win and people didn't want me to win. But the Degal round, I felt like people wanted me to win, um, but no one really thought I could. Um, but it was it was a great lesson for me because, you know, it's a, it's a it's a tough, tall, hard, harsh lesson. You know, I remember at times feel like you know, I'm trying to convince Adam Booth, my coach, I'm like, mate, I know how to beat this dude. Like I, I've, I've sparred thousands of rounds with him. I know how to get to him. I know what to do. I know how to get in his head. I know everything about him. Um, and then, yeah, so convince him to make the fight. And then, you know, the people you realize, I don't need to convince a commentator on Sky or a journalist sitting in the crowd yeah. or, you know, influential people in boxing but ultimately let the performance um, resonate with them rather mm. than investing too much time. And I think some fighters and maybe even myself at times invested too much time and energy pre-fight trying to convince the wrong people of an outcome because ultimately uh, you can just do it in the fight. Mm. You know? It's just about, I suppose it's about sort of dropping that ego a little bit and thinking, I don't care what, what you guys think. You know, I know what matters in the ring matters, you know. Mm. Um, and I can remember, yeah, I can remember that fight with the Gale. No one was really, you know, he was, he was the favourite. And it was fascinating to watch because the difference in personalities between you and James DeGale was just unbelievable. Like, he was almost like the, uh, I mean flash sort of confident one and and your approach was completely different you was a bit more like just i mean i can remember when i seen you two on the telly i can remember he was wearing all like the dolce and cabana yeah, the dolce plaques, hoodie, that's right. you know and you was there in a suit with uh, like this colorful tie on yeah, yeah, yeah so that was purposeful um i try i mean whether you know i didn't do a psychology major or nothing like that mm. but i would um i think about 
um, anytime we were going to come together. Um, I think, right, what's James going to say? What's he going to bring? What's he going to look like? Um, what's his insecurities? How do we get to him? Um, and I'd be like, well, his ego, I think, is an insecurity at this, at this point because I know James. I know him better than anyone else. I know he gets nervous before fights. I know he needs that reassurance from people. He needs a lot of people to tell him, put their arm around him, pat him on the back. And he might have outgrown that by this point, but... Still I'm gonna try. Bit. I'm gonna bring it back. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm gonna yeah, bring it back. Yeah. I mean, I'm here. I'm not wired that way. You know, I had a. You know, I started off. I won my first 28 amateur fights. You know, I sort of went on a, un, just different. Like I won. I was the last person to ever win four schoolboy titles. Like it, still to this day. Yeah, only because they 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 dropped one of the championships. Oh no, really? But, so that's yours. Yeah, yeah. I love so, that. Uh, and not, I mean, not a lot of people did it. You know, not a lot of kids did it. So anyway, I was just had that from the get go, um, unstoppable. Genuinely thought it was going to be the greatest fight of all time. Mm. Uh, uh, so if I'm going, you're right, we're going. You got um, press conference with James Gale. I go, okay, right. What's he going to wear? He's going to wear a, a tracksuit. Right, I'll wear a suit. Uh, I'll wear a suit so I'll take myself off down to Bista get myself a nice cheap suit <laughs> uh, and then I'll I'll get a Larry tie yeah. so a really Larry tie um, one I want to stand out like peacock effect um, two I want to be con very contrasting to him um, and also I want him to comment on the tie if he comments on the tie I've won this exchange yeah. he doesn't know that that's the exchange yeah. but I've already set it up where if, if I can continue to talk about boxing but he has to deviate and come away and go to the tie then another one um that's so, so clever. We'll, we, we'll come in and uh, uh, this is the relax you know we're sitting here we're relaxing yeah, nice big comfy relaxed. chairs whereas if i was like coming with dl right, sit my sit up straight i'll be upright like this mm. um trying to just a bigger presence um it's boxers do this thing where you're at a press conference and every boxer always takes this like very nonchalant I'm not interested in anything you say so someone your opponent will be talking and you're just like this looking you know fiddling around chatting to your your coach playing on your phone whatever but he starts talking and I'll be leaning like right over across four <laughs> people to see what he's saying and when someone's looking at you that much you can fucking I better, I better say something good do you know what I mean and then as soon as he says something that I can interrupt with I'm interrupting and um in that instance, I don't think any, certainly no one was doing that at the time or no one had done it for quite a while. So it was really interesting for people. Um, and James, sadly for him, he's not, he's not super sharp. Like he's not gonna, he's not a stand up comic, you know, yeah, I'm not, he's, yeah. not gonna, he's not ready to hit the hecklers. So I'm heckling him and he's, he's stuttering and tripping. He's got nothing for you. Yeah, exactly. You've got him up against the ropes. Yeah, yeah. so we're, um, but that was that was sort of the setup with, with the gal. I mean, it was all it all boils down to right. I want him to sit down at the end of the first round and go fuck, you know, because I know Jimmy Mack was a very good coach, but um, coached him in a way of that reassurance. I knew there was a lot of reassurance. You'd listen to their fights and in the corner, you right, James, good boy, James, nice one, James, <laughs> good boy. Yeah, no, no, he might not say. It. I might be. <laughs> I might, might get him off a bit there. No, but it good was leg. it was. Um, you know, it was it was boosting. You know what I mean? He, he yeah. would pick him up, pick him up, pick him up. Um, so I was like, you know, sits down at the end of the fourth round, sits down at the end of the seventh round, and it's like it's not going your way. Is is Jimmy McDonald going to have a, a difficult conversation with him then, who he's never had before? Was yeah. Degal going to say something? Um, so it's it's all just to keep keep planting them seeds, and there's loads of different ways you you'd approach it. Different opponents, you know, sometimes. And you can't always just keep rolling out the same mm. the same uh, tricks. You know? yeah. Are you sure you ain't done a degree in psychology? Uh, like no, has, I like it? I like I like I like the art, art of war. Yeah, I like the art of war. Um, loads of things that I've learned now that I didn't have then. It's like um, I never actually went about trying to convince. When I think about it, convince fighters otherwise. You know, you know, because all I would do was alienate them instantly, and then mm. I, you know, I haven't got their ear. So. Uh, you know, if I wanted to convince the girl that I was going to beat him, then I would have sat down with him. I would have um, made common ground, brought up an instance where we are the same, give him something to ponder about, get him <laughs> in and built the doubt that way. But instead of just sitting down and yeah, being hostile and aggressive and sitting and ready and perched and um, waiting for him to comment on the tyre. Mm. 
<laughs> but you've done the same again when, obviously, which I think probably most, but uh, probably, I mean, you went on after four attempts to win, win a world title, didn't you? But probably, uh, you know, how like general public will, will when you most remember you probably for the frotch, for the two frotch fights, you know, because it was the, well, you know, the second fight was Wembley in front of 80,000 people. And that first fight with frotch, it was almost like he sort of felt like he was doing you a favour, you know, but you massively got in his head then and completely sort of flipped the script, didn't you? Mm. And you sort of done that again with, with frotch. Yeah, Frotcher, Frotcher got to a point where um, he was just starting to, I mean, not, not breakthroughs, he'd broken through, but he was really starting to get the uh, the fame and fortune and, you know, fans, accolades that he, he felt he'd been deserving for years. Um, he was headlining on Sky Sports now um, and Sky Pay-Per-View and he was winning. So, um, and he'd had a long career, he'd boxed on, you know, small channels he boxed on ITV but hadn't earned the money you know he'd had um, a lot of life and death fights you know mm. he'd, he'd had to travel he went in the world um, super six uh, the boxing super six and he'd had a I think you know, he had one yeah he had two losses in that so he'd lost um, and he lost to uh, Andre Ward in the final but then to his credit first fight back comes back rips the belt off of Boutte great performance at home in Nottingham and it, it was supposed it is like a m massive U-turn in his career. His career is back on track. Um, he beats Kesla in a rematch, and I'm on hot on his heels. You know, um, I think he, in his mind, he felt he'd done his hard work. Now he wanted a gift. He wanted an, a gimme. Went an easy fight for mm. big money, and you know, sail off into the sunset. He was, he was doing dance shows with his with his partner uh, Rachel, which was hilarious. Was that Strictly yeah. Come Dancing? It was like a new one. I don't know if it stayed. I don't know what it was called, but it was like you dance with your partner. Yeah, like, I remember that. So, uh, yeah, and um, just them two. It was. It'd be just them, but other couples as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So did you lose any of that? In the, in he was getting beasted every week. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not back up to date with my choreography, but um, <laughs> yeah. And he, he was, and he re he must have made a real effort because. He, he didn't have snake hips when he was boxing, but he was doing his best to get the cha-cha-cha. Yeah. 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 Did you ever use that as a bit of needle? Like oh, that? absolutely, straight away, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he was head to toe in a sequin leotard. I'm going oh, okay. to uh, A little Cuban heel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but the first press conference started, and I, I'm thinking, this guy, this guy's, he's, he's there. He thinks, he thinks he's the gift. He's opening statement. He says like, oh... I'm an international superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a great line. Like, it's yeah. a great line for me to to just play with. You know, I was thinking, fucking, hell, I'm not fighting Lady Gaga. Like, was like, <laughs> this guy has lost the plot. Um, so again, I, I employ a lot of the, the sort of stuff that I sort of uh, had worked for me with the Gale. So I'm like, I'm, I'm leaning over, I'm interrupting. But problem I had this time round was that. Um, the girl was hadn't quite made it yet, hadn't won a world title. Um, very arrogant and sort of hard, you know, hard to be endearing to for the fans. Whereas mm. Frotch had won the fans over. He'd had all these big world title fights. He'd finally got to the top, and he was kind of untouchable. So you know, there was loads of like Alan Partridge, David Brent moments where I'm just like, yeah. I feel like Tim at the office. You know, yeah, when yeah. The, the camera cuts to him, and I'm like, "Did you just hear what Gareth said?" You know, <laughs> but no one was picking up on it. Yeah, and um, he is fuck uh, Carl Froch. You see, I was such a big fan of yours that after all those fights with him, like I, I could, if he come on the telly, I couldn't watch it. So I'm like, "No, fuck it." I'm a George Groves fan. This week's episode is sponsored by the one and only Kettle Club. Kettle Club is one of the UK's Best luxury watch dealers stocking the finest timepieces in the country. From Rollies to Patiks to Cartiers, if you're thinking of treating yourself or a loved one with something special, then you need to get onto Kettle Club. I know these guys personally, and not only do they run a fantastic business, but they're also genuinely great blokes. I've also bought uh, jewellery and watches off them in the past. So they are Josh James certified. Give them a follow on Instagram at kettle underscore club or check out their website, kettleclub.co.uk. 
www.liverpoolstreetstore.co.uk. You can also visit them in their Liverpool Street Store, located just next to the Anders Hotel by Liverpool Street Station. Not only do they sell watches, they also buy part exchange and offer a polishing service. Listeners of That Josh James Show can receive 15% off of polishing services when you quote That Josh James Show on your inquiry. So if you want to make that kettle looking brand new again, get onto them. You get 15% off if you're a listener of this podcast. That offer is brand dependent. So guys, go check them out. And a big thanks to Kettle Club for joining the journey, joining the team and for sponsoring the podcast. George goes there. Yeah. But now, do you know what I love? Because obviously now you're mates. Yeah. And you go and you do these tours where you speak about your fights. And actually, like now, the reasons why I used to dislike him now is why I find him funny. Yeah. Because that sort of, um, like you said, those David Brent moments. Did you hear what Gareth just said? Yeah, but <laughs> exactly right. But when he goes, exactly I'm right. an international superstar. Yeah. He means that. He, Carl Frotch means that, but he's also saying it tongue in cheek. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at that point, I'm not sure because he, he's so dry. You don't I've, think he was at that point? I think, I think at that. He, also, he's got that. This is where I think the insecurity comes in. Like, he needed people to adore him, you know. Um, and ultimately, like, there's an element of a lot of fighters, if not all fighters, that that want that, mm. you know. And you you go through um, roller coaster rides of of if you manage to get to the very top. In, in boxing, you'll see um, that you know, boxing come and go. People, people, people are on your side, and then they're not like it's not. You can't get you know the nation to stick with you on your mm. on your journey as such. But at this point, he wants he wants he needs it. He's, there's, there's a bit of need yeah. from him, and that's that's oh, a bit of me. That yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, have, of I'll have some of this. Yeah, um, and I think it. I wound him up so much that um, he's, a, he's he's like to break him down as a fighter. He's very strong. He's tough. He's resilient. He's fit. He's always fit, and he won't. And he's he's a little bit OCD on in terms of like that sort of prep. But his mental prep he didn't do at all for that fight. So he got himself physically fit, but it was much easier for him to decide. Oh, Groves is just a kid, nothing, he ain't done nothing, he ain't proved that he's chinny. I've dropped him in sparring, I've seen him get off the floor before. Had he dropped you in sparring? Yeah, we'd had a spar where he'd sort of little flash knockdown up in Sheffield, which was really embarrassing because he was up on the GB squad and all the GB boys are watching. Mm. Um, it's not one of them ones where like, oh fucking hell, like oh, call an ambulance or that'll do. Nah. So you do them ones where you, you, drop the, you drop your sparring partner, he comes and you drop him and he gets up and he goes, oh, okay, okay. And you go, it's all right, mate. Take, take take your time yeah, and he's yeah. fine but you go that's nah, alright have, have, the, have the rest of the round off yeah, yeah, he's yeah. fuming he's like <laughs> <laughs> he's going oh it's like oh yeah just mate, yeah, it's alright get him get him get him his water yeah get him, yeah. Get him so it wasn't that it was literally I, don't, I think I was on the ropes being like just very nonchalant with my sparring I used to do this quite a lot especially when I was training with um, Adam Booth which I was at the time um, I literally used to work on defense and not for a lot of shot. I wasn't really interested in winning rounds as inspiring, which seems really bizarre when I've actually someone explained it to me later, but you're working on stuff. It's like, so like imagine, I don't know if you're a footballer and you're always practicing set pieces, but you, you lose every training game yeah. three nil. It's like, well, yeah, I know, but my set pieces are getting really good. Yeah. You know? It's sort of so, a bit like when I go, when I, when I go do new material, sometimes I've, I've written something and I'm like, I'm fully prepared to die tonight, but you sort of need to work on the bits that you're weaker at, because otherwise they don't get stronger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, I completely understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I forgot what the original point was, but yeah, just getting dropped by but he's, So he flashed, yeah, flash knocked down. Flash knocked down, yeah. So I think, I think, yeah, he mentally hadn't prepared. He thought, yeah, if, if I get him with this, I've only got to land something on him and then we're all right. Yeah. Um, but it you know, doesn't happen for him in that fight, you know. So uh, I lost, uh, I lost all faith in the boxing world after that fight. Yeah, Groves Froch won. Yeah, what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, you done him. Yeah, he was yeah. doing him. Yeah, and as soon as he lands one on you, the ref jumps in. Yeah, I yeah. lost my shit, mate. Yeah, I'm not the world's biggest boxing fan, right? Mainly because of that reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that people can be bought or people could make outrageous decisions and it still stands. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, mate, what a fucking liberty that was. Yeah, it was. Um, I still don't let it go. Yeah, <laughs> I still, does it still work? Yeah. Oh, if you, um, yeah. So if me and Frotch together were on the tour, uh, he tells a fantastic story. By the time he <laughs> finished his story, you're like, wow, yeah, well, maybe. And then yeah. they'll go <laughs> I mean, to a, they'll go to yeah. a vote. And then all I want to do is just go like, let's play, right? Um, because yeah, it's um, he done this. He done an incredible job, I think. In, as I say, and I wasn't, I didn't, I'd, I'd done a job of selling the show, but I hadn't done a job of convincing anyone that I was going to win. No one ever really thought I was going to no, win. No one really gave um, you a chance. And then once the first, the first round starts and people are going, oh, here we yeah. go, right? But so when did you put him down in the second? First round. First, first round, round he goes yeah. down. First okay. round he's down, he's down hard, he's down heavy, he gets up. I Wobbly mean, as fuck when he yeah. stood up. Yeah. Yeah. So his first round, he's still, you know, still pretty fresh. So he gets through that round and he gets punched like get systematically beaten up and then the sixth round is a torrid round right really bad torrid round for him and then he's sort of like i go right hand happy but i can't miss him with the right hand right hand off the right hand on the button on the button on the button i punch i mean i'm punching him numb if i haven't already mm. so um and then I, I take I take the seventh round off. It's where Carl comes in and goes, championship fire, second half of the fight. <laughs> I had I'd weathered everything he'd had for the first six rounds, and then I start coming on strong. But if you watch the fight, I take the seventh round off, so and it could funny. go either way. I win the eighth, and I'm winning the ninth, right? Um, but the clip that comes on at Sky, it's a bit where he sort of he charges at me. He's gunslinging. He's always been gunslinging. Like hands are coming out from from the waist, da, 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 like. But I'm catching, catching, making him miss, firing back. Um, and the referee, Howard Foster, who um, judged my fight since, even refed one of my fights since. And I've seen since, and, uh, you know, I, I know, I don't, I don't, uh, he's, you know. You don't resent him. I don't, you know, I, I, he's not, he's not the most I do. evil man in the world. I don't like him. But he 100% had a fucking brain fart and just jumped in yeah no why? idea why yeah. i don't know he won't tell me <laughs> uh, he's he out of does, he, does he does he now does he think in has he ever said to you like in hindsight that was the wrong decision i'd love you to get him on here and ask him he's never told me I, well, uh, actually we've got him i'm sort of half scared to to ask him because if he says no 100 percent, that's the right i still won't have it i'll just no. i'll end up trying to choke him out but um i'll jump in it's a liberty. <laughs> it's a fucking liberty, mate, is what it is. But, I mean, fortunately for me, at this point, um, the fight was big enough, you know. I'd done a, a, a really good job of, of promoting it, selling it, um, and people are bought into my story at this mm. point, you know. Like, it was, it, it was, as I say, I got into boxing because I, I loved Hollywood. I watched Rocky. It was a Hollywood movie, you know. Mm. It's like... I'd had loads of trials and tribulations beforehand. I'd had to separate, I'd to find a new coach and new training team, new this, new that. Sort of gone it alone, stood in the ring on my own and Frotch gets in with an army of, mm. you know, bodies for it, you know, in his team. Um, and I'd have been robbed, like unjustly robbed. Yeah. Uh, and I had to then, Agreed. I had to, uh, you know, what have I got left? What have I got to bargain with? Nothing apart from sympathy from the boxing public, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Eddie Hearn's the promoter. Um, he's James's he's mate loves him. Yeah, yeah, Eddie. He loves him. Oh, we like Eddie. <laughs> um, but Eddie has Eddie. Eddie's not at this point. He's nothing compared to what he is now. Cool. So, I mean, um, it was sort of the start. Young of Eddie. Eddie Hearn that we know now was he? He built himself on my back. I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first time I ever knew Eddie Hearn was was at one of your fights, and I was at. Someone was like, that's Barry Earn's boy. And I'm like, oh, okay. It was the first time I'd ever seen him. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So are we saying George Groves made Eddie Hearn? Pretty much. I'm sure he'd say the same. Um, <laughs> if you caught him, if you caught him at the right time. No, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's the game. That's the boxing promoter's game. If, if, if um, some of the talented boxers had gone down that route, I'm sure um, they would have been a success as well. Yeah. Um, different, different sort of uh, battle at times. But... I've had him on my podcast and, and he explains about how that, like our relationship in that situation and me explaining, you know, I'm, I'm fighting Frotch um, physically and a little bit mentally, but I'm, I'm, I mean, just as much of a war with Eddie Hearn because I've mm. got a, he's got 
he's got the even he didn't have a bigger he might have had a bigger following than me at the time but I don't think he would have done not at that time probably not he was almost still I feel at like that time he's still sort of secondary to the fighters whereas now I feel like he's very much the promoter yeah he yeah. almost got a bigger profile than most of his fighters oh he does yeah yeah 100% um, I remember the first time I met him he was telling me that Audley Harrison was going to beat David Hay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, okay. Um, it took a long time to gain any respect for him for that, you know, because, um, and then obviously next time we're sort of really dealing with each other is, is this, this frotch saga. And part of you is like, why are you trying to like steal our, our little bit of glory? You know, mm. uh, it's, but he's, 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 he's self-promoting at that, that, that period of time extraordinarily well because yeah. he has the time and and the resources to do it because he had a monopoly at sky he had it was cleverly done by on his part mm -hmm. uh he'd, he'd cut a deal with sky to be the, the the one and only promoter and um off the back of that was able to secure the best talent to put on the best shows you know you only had the option was sky box surface and therefore with matrim yeah um and i did i tried to take him on i tried to take him on i wouldn't sign with matrim um I ended up signing with uh, the Sowland brothers, um, Kala and Nissa Sowland, who had done ad hoc work in the UK, but didn't have a TV deal, didn't have that. And I was like, fuck Eddie Hearn and fuck Matrim. Um, when I knock Carl Froch at Wembley Stadium, um, I will be the biggest fighter in the UK. This is this is before Josh was, you know, he, was he was a pro, but he wasn't at the top. I said, I'll be, I'll be front and centre, you know, and I know how to sell a fight. I've got James DeGal, over there, that's another big fight for next year. Okay, I've got this super middleweight division's always been a hot division in the UK. It'll be a lot of work, but um, as long as I'm winning, winning well, and telling the story, he'll keep Eddie over there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eddie staying on the shelf. Problem was, I got uh, I got iced at, at Wembley Stadium, <laughs> yeah. and uh, oh, Eddie look, and Cole did their lap of honour. It was a great punch, but still a good fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you know, I don't. I, I don't really watch, I don't watch the fight. I don't really think about it that often. Um, ten year anniversary is coming up for it next year. Ten in fact, years. Flown, in fact, it? it's ten. It's ten years. Depending on when this goes out, it's ten. Ten years since the first fight. Mm. So that was what November. Date was it November twenty third? November twenty third, um, two thousand thirteen. Right. So um, yeah, so. It's um, it was new. It's you know, New Horizons, Wembley Stadium, eighty thousand post-war attendance record for boxing. Um, mm. There was no, and I, I don't have an experienced team. You know, I'd been working under, well, I'd been working alongside David Hay, who was sort of my stable mate for a lot of time, but wasn't with him anymore. He was someone who I could maybe have asked, "What's it like under the spotlights, dealing with the occasion, dealing with the, the pressure, dealing with selling the pay-per-views?" Um, but you know, apart from Hatton, no one had really experienced this intense spotlight. Um, yeah. And Frotch was going through it as well, obviously, as me, but he's he's at the tail end of his career. He, this is going to be his last fight. He's already decided his last fight. He's locked himself away in, in Sheffield, um, and he's just, all he's got to do is win. Whereas I'm thinking, I want this to be magnificent. I want this to be the biggest boxing extravaganza in mm. history. This, for a multitude of reasons one it needs to eclipse the first fight I don't want anyone ever else to even remember the first fight because of how amazing this rematch is going to be therefore that loss that shouldn't have been a loss is eradicated from the from the history books as well as you know I want to be Canelo Alvarez before there is Canelo Alvarez I mean I want to be uh, a big a big star you know to make the money get the fortune get the fights get the get the belts um, and I've been, I've had to work really hard for this uh, Wembley opportunity, but also it's a gift. I've got to understand it's a gift. You got to have the, you got to have the opponents there to have the big fights. You know, you got to have the, the networks backing you and, um, putting your your story out there. And then it's up to me to go out there and and perform and, and tell a story. So uh, I wanted to you know, make this you know, enormous. Um, and I did a really good job of making yeah, it, you know, you did. Yeah, pretty big. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, just uh, the key, the key uh, part of it is to win as didn't well. Didn't get yeah. it. Why do you think you didn't win? Um, I think, I, you know, if you break the fight down, like it, it, things could have been different. I remember sitting with Glenn McCrory, who was still working at Sky, um, straight after the fight, 
uh, and him saying, why didn't you just go out there and jump on him? I give it to him like he did in the first fight. And I was like, it's easier said than done. Do you know what I mean? Froch is still a handful. He's still a, a big dude. Do you know what I mean? he's, still, yeah. he's still a big puncher. He's fit. He's going to be he's going to be better in his second fight than he was the first fight. You know, and our, and our game plan was to sort of win the first half of the fight and then come on real strong in the second half of the fight. And maybe part of me was by, not buying into that I gaslight Carl's a championship fighter and, you know, there was any reason for that first fight to have been stopped but you are battling the psyche of of the people mm. the, of the of the of the you know of everyone because boxing is just a subjective sport you watch it it's not first past the post it's not fastest wins it's you know who won who won you know it's, it's, it's a yeah unless you get the KO there's a lot of factors exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um and you know I switched off for a split second you know um I try and I try, you know, I've never been a really big left hooker. I'm not great with, with the hook. You know, my, my great work comes with the straight shots, comes with, the, with my, my jab, my lead hand, and a big right hand comes over the top. Um, I can vary the, you know, the, the punch placement. I can go head and body. I can do vary the tempo, vary the power. I can vary everything. Left hook never really been my shot. Um, and in the pre-fight fight week, they'd said, can you take, give us a prediction? So I'm going to knock Carl Froch out of a left hook, right? Because <laughs> in, in the first fight, I told everyone I was going to hit him with two right hands. Yeah, and it happens, that. and then I was thinking, fuck me, if I do knock him out of a left hook, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll go down to the record books and say, yeah. so, uh, I'd, and I never thought I was going to knock him out of a left hook, um, but I was you know, almost playing the game, I suppose. I'm showing him this left hook, showing him this left hook, and then in the, I think it's the eighth round, he gets stopped. I just throw a lazy left hook and he's, I know he steps across to his left when he wants to throw that big one too. Um, the, his left hand comes out, great measuring stick and his right hand he throws. You couldn't throw a better right hand if you tried um, right on the button, through the target, head rolls, collapse, um, knee bent up behind my head mm. as Cole says so eloquently and yeah. uh, the fight is over. So um, I'm staring up at the stars at Wembley Stadium um, and that was tough super tough you was know it, like yeah. to um i mean the first loss didn't feel like a loss weren't a loss <laughs> didn't feel like a loss so you're like and i feel like as, as time went on i realized that actually that's where the problems really started i need to go back and address it right yeah. there and then but that felt like the loss that was like oh wow this is this is rock bot this is brand new to me what what does this feel like um, at that stage like no 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 come on right just get back to it get back to it don't waste time you know still believed in myself like there's there was no like hes you know, there was no ounce of doubt or anything like that such a big stage as well wasn't it yeah massive massive mega stage where you're just um, fortunate that I've got like a bit of a name now but I'm famous for getting knocked out at Wembley Stadium mm. So what do I do? I'll get back into it. So back, back to it, back to it, back to it. Next fight, I'm back at Wembley, three months later, maybe four months later, not in the stadium. I'm in the arena next door. Yeah. Bit of a, you know, humble mm. pie, fall from grace. Yeah. Uh, European title fight, um, but a final eliminated for the WBC, which is the profile from the first fight that allowed me to go in off the back of a loss straight in with a final eliminated for a world title. But, um, wasn't nice, you know, it wasn't nice. Um, Carl Froch is there, that Sky bring him in to do comms and he's like, he's been cobra I think. <laughs> he's been, he's been Froch and I'm like, Ooh. yeah. It's like, get over it, mate. <laughs> you fucking, you won. Yeah. You've retired, get over he's, it. Carl Froch is the worst winner. Because yeah, he still, yeah. He still, yeah. still, still, <laughs> yeah. still rubs the salt into the wounds, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so back, but I mean, yeah, that's me. That's back. But back, you've done back business. To back to it, yeah. I win that fight, uh, beat a guy called Christopher Brass. Not my best performance, but that usually happens after a loss. Mm. Come back, solid win over 12 rounds. Um, and yeah, so potentially now my next fight can be for a world title. So that was, you know, mission accomplished. It's a bit of politics goes on with the WBC. It takes a little bit of time and it ends up being 12 months and I have one fight in between before I end up challenging for the WBC belt. They've got a new champion, Badu Jack, who's um, sort of new on the scene. Not a lot of people know him, but he's signed to the Mayweather promotional team. Mayweather's still fighting, and he's just come off his win against Mikhail, uh, 
just come off his win against uh, Manny Pacquiao. Mm. So, so oh, cool, we're going to Vegas. Sounds really good. It ends up landing on a Mayweather undercard. It's like, it's cool. You go out there and you're doing like the American press. They're like, oh, how excited are you to be fighting on a Mayweather card? And I'm like, I sold a stadium out last year. Yeah. Like, this is, you feel this it was is, a bit of a come down. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, a massive yeah. fucking come down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it was it went on it went out on Box Nation, who I'd, I'd been signed to a box on before, but still, a, in fact, it probably wasn't as big a channel then as when it got launched. So a fringe boxing hardcore channel. So didn't have the you know the the major profile in the you know my previous world title fights had had. Um, and I fight Badu Jack, who's a lot better than people gave him credit for. I was a favourite probably going into that fight, but end up dropping a, a split decision loss. Yeah. It's close, I have to get up off the ground in the first round, get dropped mm. early. Um, and had to eke out what I was hoping to be a win. But I just remember each round going, Oh, God, I just want to go home, I just want to go home. Really? Um, which is not ideal when you're in the, in the middle in, of the in fight. In the middle of yeah. a fight, yeah. Um But credit to Badu Jack, who um you know, he's a free weight world champion. He's 39 years of age. He's the current cruiserweight mm. champion of the world. So, uh, he went on to have a big career. A yeah. very good fighter, yeah. yeah okay. And then you won your world title on the fourth attempt. I mean, that's unbelievable. There can't be many fighters out there that have taken up four attempts to like go back for a fourth time because every time that you lose, you must be on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that so talk about the being rock bottom after Wembley Stadium, that was nothing compared to. The new rock bottom of losing against uh, Badu Jack, you know. There's a strange comfort, I suppose, in losing and everyone seeing it, you know, and you becoming a meme and you know, mm. in on a bus. Did and you become a of, meme? I was in on a bus and out in an ambulance. For that one, was quite clever. Right. That was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a lot of parody videos because of the way I went down with the leg bend. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, a lot. Of, but you know, Badly Jack, check your timeline. Like, oh, no one watched it. Oh, no one cares. And then that's uh, completely uh, different. You went down and no one even saw it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. I wish I could be a meme again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, first time where I'd sort of contemplated what's my life um, instead of boxing. It was always what's my life after boxing, and now it's what's my life instead of boxing. Um, but it's, it felt like an eternity. But it wasn't that long of contemplated quitting, fucking opening a shitty coffee shop, doing something new, leaving boxing behind. Um, but I decided no, I could never forgive myself if I leave the sport without becoming a world champion. Mm. You know, it's what I dreamt to doing at seven years of age um you know your uh your goals change as you get older don't they you know like yeah. you all of a sudden you become interested in you know fast cars and not eddie hearn but actual yeah. fast cars yeah and, uh, <laughs> you know houses and you know you want you want fame and accolades and you want fortune but really what i just wanted was that belt i just wanted yeah. that belt um I was like right back to the drawing board don't rush it um because it must have been hard like Obviously, you must have earned a lot of money from the Frotch, from the Wembley, um, to then be like, right, well, the goal's not so much money now because you sort of secured that. It's more, it's more that belt. It must have been hard to... Yeah, I mean, it was, it was... I mean, the Frotch, Frotch money was was great. I was on the, on the, the shit end of the stick because I was a challenger, um, but it was, it, was, it was good money. It was really good money, but it wasn't last me forever money you know yeah, it was so if i quit want. now we're gonna have to sell our house and and live a, a modest a normal life um and just that's maybe maybe that's being from a what a truly working class background you know my mom and dad don't have any material worth they're not into that sort of stuff they've you know easy come easy go mm -hmm. um and I, i'm not built that way but at the same time um you have a fight you get paid and then you don't get paid again until you have another fight. Yeah. So uh, if you can fight twice a year, great. Um, and, the, and the purses can vary from millions that I earned for the Frotch fight, or um, my next fight back, I took a percentage of profits and, and I didn't get paid. <laughs> really? So, mm. um, and that's fine, because I, I knew that. I knew that, but that's, and, that, and then I did, uh, a couple of years later go, right, I said, I'm never fighting for free again. But, um, yeah, I had yeah. I, I would I would have traded it all in for for the belt anyway. For the belt, yeah. I, th I, I truly believe that. Um, 
because there's more to life than um, what I had at that point. Um, yeah, like you said, it's easy come, easy go with money. They can never take that belt away from you. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. You'll um, always be a, yeah, you'll, you'll always be a world yeah. champion. You're the champ. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been on roller coaster ride with, um, you know, the fans as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, video, I remember YouTube was felt kind of new in 2011. And when I beat the gal, and there's a video of like people in the crowd, I don't know them, and they've, they're celebrating, like they've got the, and then split decision grows in the blue corner, whatever it is, and they're jumping up and down. Mm. And um, I was like, oh, cut me, it was amazing. I was like, wow, mm. these strangers, they're so invested in this. Yeah. Um, it's only like a 20 second clip, right? Uh, fast forward to first Froch fight, and I'm getting booed and spat on and thrown at, you know, coins are fleeing in as I'm trying to slip and slide on my way to the ring. I'm thinking, why these motherfuckers don't like me so yeah. much? I've only said I'm going to beat him up. I'm like, yeah. what, and, and why do they like Froch so much? I don't get it. By the end of the fight, you know, booze and now cheers. Um, yeah, he gave one of the worst post-match interviews I've yeah. ever heard in yeah. my life after that fight. I, w I hated it. He got a lot of stick <laughs> walking out the ring, didn't yeah, he? So he's, he's yeah, so he's the total opposite. Yeah. And he, he'll, he'll Fickle game, totally the same. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I was retired then. I remember watching Joshua fight uh, Andy Ruiz uh, in New York and walking, coming out of this, you know, everyone's sort of a little bit uh, hyped. You know, we're, you know, I've never been invested in Andy Joshua's um, career because I don't have any relation with him, but I, I appreciate what he's done and, you know, I like I like the boxing. So um, I'm not going to be, like, emotionally sad if he gets beat. But when he got beat by Andy Ruiz, there were fans that were coming out of there and they were going, oh, you fucking rubbish, money. Oh, he's and I'm like, hey, you must have spent at least a thousand pounds to get out here stay in new york watch him you've just told me that you've seen these last three fights why are you throwing him under the bus yeah yeah support so him. quickly support him, like yeah. Yeah. uh oh, you, oh we always knew you were shit it's like mate you, like, <laughs> you wasn't saying that yesterday yeah. I, I remember watching it with my mates and i've always been a big aj fan you know whether he wins or loses one of my mates never watches boxing he goes oh fucking AJ shit and I'm like mate who are you to say that mm. <laughs> who are you to say that I mean, yeah, he's never been know. my guy no is he not I just did no. it I never quite I thought I think, I think I with thought AJ when he comes you, up against you anyone good really, you know I've always been I, I, I like how AJ you know he's very like professional he always tries to do things in the right way I've always been a big AJ fan you know yeah I mean I think so uh there's, you know, the heavyweight boxing were very excited when they had this guy, Anthony Joshua, who was, you know, six foot five, six foot six, looks in shape and um, toes the line. You know, he's mm. very, he's, he's, he's professional, right? He's fucking handsome. He's handsome, well. yeah, handsome guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he you lo he <laughs> loves you his agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, he wins the Olympics and then, you know, they're, they're, the journey's happening, journey's happening. Um, and to be honest, that's kind of what, he is what I want out of a sports star in that mm. he's a polar opposite of Tyson Fury. Yeah. And I feel like... What do you think of the last fight? Uh, yeah, he's just... Um, Ngannou was okay. Uh, he was good. Like it's his first ever fight. Absolutely. First ever fight um, where, he's, where he's clearly a good athlete uh, mm. and they got his... They shaped him up. Like his That's how I want okay. my champions to look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean... Chiseled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they ain't got to look absolutely shredded. Do you know what I mean? Um, but they got to look more more muscle mass than than mm. uh, than, than body fat. Yeah. Um, and Fury, Fury, I don't think Fury had, had done hard training for that fight. Mm. He hadn't mentally prepared, definitely not. And um, didn't look like he'd done a lot of sparring because um, when he got hit, he looked he had that look of someone who ain't been hit in a long time. Okay. Um, so he probably thought it was going to be a walk in the park, but. Where he's not Very sharp, well. where he's not fit. Well, he says he at the beginning, isn't he? He's like, time to go to school. Yeah. At the first bell. And it looked uh, like it was his first day at school, though. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. Tell him what school he's going to. He ran out of the yeah. playground. Don't let him know his. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, George, 
I could talk to you for hours, mate. And uh, I'm so happy that you come on the podcast. Honestly, always been a massive fan of yours. Oh, thank you very um, much. So, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here, mate. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, George. Before you go, you got your own podcast just to tell people about. Yeah, yeah. So if you're anyone who's into their podcast and the podcast game, if you want a boxing podcast, that's mine. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Uh, we put an episode out every Wednesday. So we have um, a boxing-related guest on uh, talking about a boxing-related subject every Wednesday. And then loads of bonus content we get you guys on soon because yeah. you guys are passionate nice. boxing fans now uh, for our little for, for bonus apps that come out on a it's Friday. It's my favourite boxing podcast. Thank you very I much. I absolutely love it, mate. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, George, thanks so much for joining us, mate. Oh, wicked, yeah. Great to meet you, mate. White boy, thank you as ever. What they got to do on the YouTube, mate? Go follow We Are L17 on YouTube. Um, please give us a subscribe, like the video, leave us a comment and... Um, Hit the bell icon if you never want to miss an episode. That's it. And on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you know what to do by now. Uh, rate us five stars on there. Listen, we've got the live show on Wednesday the 13th of December. If you've not got your tickets yet, I don't think there are many left. So get a move on. Get in there. We've got a great night planned. And uh, yeah, thanks, Georgie, again. Cheers, white boy. we we'll see you all next week. <laughs>